everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the communications coordinator at High Point Church. We're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, and even though life does not look the same as it did three weeks ago, it's important that we're still treating ourselves like humans made in the image of God. In this episode, Nick Gibson, our lead pastor, and Jill Reese, who is on staff, are going to get back to the basics of how to treat ourselves as what we are so that we steward our lives well for the glory of God. If you aren't doing well in this time, we hope that this episode will help you take some next steps. As always, if you have any questions from listening to this episode, email us at podcast at highpointchurch.org. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Engaging Equip podcast. I'm here with Nick. Uh, my name is Jill, and we are still, well, we're doing this over a video call again because we're still in quarantine from the coronavirus, but we hope that you're hanging in there. And um, we released some podcasts about devotionals and some other devotional resources about diving in to uh, and connecting with the Lord right now, especially during this time. But we want to talk today about caring for yourself as a human and um, your, not only your spirituality, but your emotional life and your physical life and how all those things are connected. So Nick had done had given the staff some advice in four er- different areas. And so we're going to dive into those today. Um, but we're also doing this um, for you if you're a small group leader and and you want to um, help lead other people through this time. And um, people are asking you questions about that. Nick, did you want to say anything before we dive in? Yeah, I think we want to distinguish between um, being able to serve others mm-hmm. and, and um, saying like, you know, I need me time. There's a, there's a selfish way to insulate ourselves from others by claiming that we have certain kinds of needs. And mm-hmm. what we need to do is recognize what our real and true human needs are mm-hmm. as, as people and then make sure that we are doing what we need to to be faithful to those, which the Bible refers to that is the, the recharging or rejuvenating needs human beings have as Sabbath, like mm-hmm. rest, being able to rest and recharge in the right kind of ways for mm-hmm. the purpose of work in service of others. And so mm-hmm. I think there's some things that we need to do that are pr- properly part of the rejuvenation of the human person mm-hmm. as a creature and as mm-hmm. a per- as an ensouled being. And then from there we can go and serve others. And I, yeah. I distinguish that from like, I need decompression time. I need to sit and watch Netflix for four hours because I just feel stressed right. out. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I think that that is a, a secularized version of self-indulgent pseudo-psychological quote, recharging, it doesn't really recharge you emotionally. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. going going after the stuff we really need to do. And, and so I narrowed those down to just four things. Obviously, there's, there's more, but these are the four big ones, mm-hmm. which is sleep, exercise, prayer, and connection. Yes. Yeah. We can just dive into each one, one by one. Does that sound good? Yep. Sounds good. Okay. So let's start with sleep. Um, it's important always, but especially now when there's no external structure probably in your life um, or very little. And um, it's really important to regulate your sleep and get a good amount of sleep. Yeah. So the Bible distinguishes between rest and sloth, mm-hmm. right? So the Bible says that God gives sleep to his loved ones, that rest or Sabbath, the recharging of the human being is important to God and should be important to us. And we should respect it and participate in it. But in the book of Proverbs, it says that the sluggard is like a door on a hinge rolling over back and forth on his bed. And so 
what we need to do as human beings is uh, submit to sleep sufficient to rejuvenate ourselves as bodily creatures to, you know, charge mm-hmm. our battery up to hundred, so to speak, and yet not give ourselves to the comforting nature of sloth where we just kind of lay around and we don't want to get up and work. So mm-hmm. it's resting without giving ourselves um, in it inordinately to ease in that sense. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? And mm-hmm. so um, it used to be, even some Christian leaders believed that people shouldn't need to sleep more than six hours a night. And more than that was sloth. John Wesley believed something like that, for example. And um, the, what sleep experts tell us is actually, it's actually different per human that no human is this, no human is exactly the same as other ones. And um, humans function down to about three hours or so. Those are called the sleepless elite. And there are some, there are some people that need um, just over 10 hours of sleep a day Mm -hmm. to function properly. And so, um, so for example, on our staff team, Nicole and I both are like eight and a half hour people. And if I, if I, if I sleep for seven and a half hours, two days in a row, I can feel in the every energy level of my mm-hmm. body, I'm not really recharging a hundred percent. And then I, I, my brother, for example, for years lived on five and a half, six hours of sleep and seemed to do fine. And mm-hmm. my wife, Alexi can do about six and a half and she can be, I hate that. I mean, it's frustrates the heck out of me about her. And then for years she felt like I was just being lazy. Yeah. But, but if I, but if I only slept seven hours, you could just tell. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. My husband is about a six hour person and I'm about an eight hour person. I'd yeah. say. So, yeah, so a that, difference. that's mm-hmm. fairly common in couples too that they don't need mm-hmm. to sleep the same amount of time. But you need to find out what that is, and the and mm-hmm. the answer is you go to sleep, and then your body wakes you up the first time naturally. Mm-hmm. That's about where you need to be. You might still be able to fall back asleep, but usually, if your body wakes you up, even if you can fall back asleep, you have gotten enough sleep. Does that make, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and also what sleep people tell us also is that hours before midnight are worth two hours, so to speak, and hours after midnight are worth one. And you, you might say, well, well, you know, Nick, you don't know me. I'm a night owl. And the answer is being psychologically a night owl and being physiologically a night owl are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, some people like to stay up at the end of the day. They enjoy it. They like being up at night. They, they just, but that doesn't mean that your circadian rhythms submit to that. As a biological creature who relates to the sun in how your biology functions, you are like everybody else. The hours before midnight are twice as good for your body, right? So if you're, if you're a night owl and you want to go to sleep at, you know, 1030 instead of 830, well, I mean, it's fine, whatever, you're not a farmer, but, um, but don't think that just because you like staying up late, that therefore you're just a night owl and therefore none of this applies to you. No, it all applies to you because you're a embodied human creature. Mm-hmm. The hours before midnight are worth double and you need whatever you need for sleep and doing that in a healthy way is important, mm-hmm. which leads to the issue of setting yourself up for it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Making sure that you can fall asleep and that your sleep is good quality sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So right. um, a lot some of, of the things. We, a lot of times when we can't do something. It's not mm-hmm. because we don't really want to. It's just we didn't set ourselves up to succeed. Right. Mm-hmm. And with technology and screens and work coming home with us and teenage kids wanting to stay up late and lots of things, or like you, Jill, you like little babies crying you know, mm-hmm. in the light, um, there's a lot of things that inhibit sleep. Some we can manage and, and some, we, some we can eliminate, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there are disciplines that set us up for good sleep. And I can't think of any more than shutting off the screens 
not watching me, disturbing videos and yeah. shutting off video games are very key. And then I think for you me, it's not, not working. working. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, because, especially since I'm, I do some work some hours from home anyway, even in normal life. <laughs> um, but especially right now when I'm doing all my hours from home, I just kind of work when I can and my kids go to bed at seven thirty, So it's really easy to work at night and just to keep working. Yeah. But I have to stop around 8.30 is best so that I can have enough time and enough distance to be able to fall asleep and not be thinking through solving problems as I'm trying to fall asleep at night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, always a temptation general, for parents of young kids. Yeah. And in general, I would say I usually don't start early enough to go to start getting ready for bed because yeah. I'll find like dishes and I want to do the dishes. So starting early enough is really important. Yeah. I, I just, the other night I annoyed my wife cause I, we, we just watched a movie, which is not mm-hmm. what I would recommend right before bed, but we'd watched the movie and it was 10 30 mm-hmm. and like, I'm like, just like it's 10 30, for bed. I'm going to bed. Cause I have to do that. Otherwise like, I'll go to bed at midnight. And she's like, well, we, can we tidy up the house before bed? Cause she likes to wake up to a clean house. I was like, no, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, no, no, I'm going to bed right now. I said, listen, leave anything you want for me. I'll wake up before you and I'll, I'll start my day by cleaning mm-hmm. some stuff up, but I'm going to bed right now. And I just don't like kind of annoyed her, but she also didn't fight with me about it because she was like, okay, I mean, if you're going to help me just tomorrow, I'll just leave some stuff for you. And yeah, she, you know, she's learned to accept that, that cause the problem is, is that happens, right? It's kind of like you have an appointment at 1030 in the morning. And so you leave your house to drive there at 1030 and then you wonder right. why you're late and travel takes time. Right. Similarly, mm-hmm. it takes time to go to bed and mm-hmm. especially if you're married. Right. So like, you've got to actually get to the bedroom. So you got to get past all the kids and all everything that's going to keep you from getting to the bedroom. Then you get to the bedroom and then you've got your like teeth brushing and clothes changing thing. And mm-hmm. then your spouse might want to talk to you or you might want to talk to your spouse. Right. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully at a, at a healthy interval, you might want to make love to your spouse, which is supposed mm-hmm. to take more than 20 seconds, hopefully. Right. So that <laughs> can take a while. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then you've got to fall asleep, which may not happen immediately. Right. Unless right. you're a man. And like, and so that, like, I've I've gone to bed at ten thirty and then gone to sleep at midnight, right? Yeah. As a, as a married person, because something's on my wife's mind, or we pray together, and then like she takes longer to get ready for bed than me, and then I'm reading, and then you know all these things go on, and then before you know it, like, and I think that's always been true because like if you think about First Corinthians seven where it says that the husband's wife body belongs to the wife and the husband bo- wife's body belongs to the husband mm. and you shouldn't deprive each other. That's referring to sexual intimacy. He says, except for a season of prayer, like where you agree not to so that you can pray. And I always thought, well, why can't you just, you know, do both? And, <laughs> and then I got married and then I realized when you have kids and you don't talk to your wife until mm. the end of the day, and then you mm-hmm. really have a limited amount of time before you fall asleep. And, and a lot of times you really have to choose between yeah, that's good. connecting verbally with mm-hmm. each other and with God and connecting physically with each other in other kinds of intimacy. So that's, that's Mm -hmm. a real thing. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think, I think that the whole issue of like, if you want to go to bed at 1030, you can't walk upstairs at 1030. Nope. Mm -hmm. Usually I would say you need a minimum of 20 minutes. I usually need like, it's embarrassing, but probably like an hour or an hour and a half. I don't know if that's embarrassing, but it's that's what it is for me because I that just is, find other things that, is that more I want to do. Average, but yeah, <laughs> if you want to read for thirty minutes before you go to sleep, right. as a meaningful part of your day, that's not wasted time. Right? I usually shower at night too. Yeah, yeah things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so okay, yeah. that's sleep. Right, so setting sleep. yourself up for sleep is important, and so you in turning off video games, 
turning off TV, not watching things that are going to psychologically kind of screw you up or get in your head mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day is important. Um, some people like to use apps that take the blue light out of their screens and have a more reddish tint to them so that you can look at screens longer than still fall asleep. Theoretically, those are supposed to work, but they don't take away the stresses. They just take away Mm -hmm. the blue light coming in alert, telling your brain that it's daytime. But if you're reading stuff that's like, if you're reading the news, for example, at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and you find reading the news stressful, that can be really foolish because yeah, you're not taking in blue light, but you still might be taking in anxiety. Right. Right. And so like, I will read the Bible at night. I'll read books like the Lord of the Rings. I'll re- I, like, I read stuff that are just like a biography of a missionary or something stuff mm-hmm. that like is going to, if it's going to be anything, it's going to be inspiring, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not going to be aggravating or something, you know? Right. And so I, for a while I was reading Solzhenitsyn's the Gulag Archipelago at night and I just wow. wasn't having very good dreams. And my wife's like, why are you reading about human <laughs> atrocities right before bed? That's really stupid. <laughs> That's the only Uh, reading time I get. And she's like, yeah, "Yeah, you got to find more reading time because that's not good for you. And yeah, you know, I realized that that was true. And so I've been reading that other, another time. And so selecting Mm -hmm. what you read before bed, biographies and novels are often good bedtime reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the Bible is good. And the Bible. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's dive into exercise. So um, there's specific kinds of exercise that can help you the most. Um, Nick, Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about some that you've been doing? Yeah, so the, uh, recommend. yeah, there's a guy named Dr. Pat Anderson who's a chiropractor. He's a doctor of chiropractic medicine. He teaches people throughout the country, and he goes to High Point. And um, he said he said a couple things. One is he said there's two kinds of exercises that do the most for your mind, your brain, like to renew concentration. One is to do ones that are heavy on moving your nervous system, i.e., moving your spine. Mm-hmm. So like toe touches, alternate toe touches, things that move your spine back and forth and twist your torso, for example. Um, mm-hmm. So alternate toe touches, like a rowing motion where you push your shoulders forward and your back back, and then you put your shoulders back and your your lower back forward, those kinds of things. Twisting your shoulders back and forth, up and down, um, moving your head back and forth. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things are good for like just stimulating your whole nervous system. And that actually stimulates your brain, which stimulates your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Secondly, also, he, he said that um, stressing a muscle group to failure also has a a uptick effect for your mind as well and a clearing effect for your mind. So I have these 45 pound dumbbells that I will lift until I can't lift them in, which is only about um, nine on each side, right? For me, it's about 18 lifts to where I just, I can't get it all the way up. And that like doing it or doing pushups to failure or something like that, it not only gives me a little bit of exercise and tells one of my muscle groups in my body that don't, don't atrophy anymore right now, but it also does a mind reset Mm -hmm. Um, in relationship to how hard exercise you need to do. I think it's important to recognize that short workouts can, when they're, you can do short aggressive workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that are doing micro workouts or like they're 12 minutes long. You're mm-hmm. doing like a exercises three times as fat in succession. There are apps that you can get that will do this. It'll line up the yep. exercises in the, in the intervals, that kind of interval training can be helpful. Um, and, but also just like fairly leisurely exercise can have the same positive effects psychologically, like mm-hmm. taking a walk. Like you just, you just need to move your body. Mm-hmm. So f- to, to re- re-stimulate your concentration, there's certain things you can do neurologically to do that, but to stimulate better mood, mm-hmm. um, less um, aggressive exercise, like taking a walk can be helpful. And then mm-hmm. both of those actually nourish the flexibility and well-being of your physical body. And so right. 
having an exercise regimen that may only be a couple hours a week total, but mm-hmm. that is keeping your muscle groups and your flexibility active so that you're not hurting yourself doing the daily things in your life. That's increasing your capacity for a good mood and also mm-hmm. stimulating your mind so that you can work throughout the day, even if you're cooped up at home mm-hmm. is helpful. So those, a mixture of those kinds of exercises I think are good for mood mentality and mm-hmm. physiology. Mm-hmm. And if you're intimidated by exercise because you haven't exercised regularly before, there are lots of apps, but also doing something fun with, especially if you have kids, like just getting outside and mm-hmm. like chasing them in the yard, or it could just be anything, but yeah. moving your body and not sitting down or not like being in your house. Yeah. Just try to get out as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. The next one is prayer. Yeah. So the second one is mm-hmm. prayer. And that the reason why we say this is that even for Christians, um, I think praying is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian life, the Christian life, because mm-hmm. you're, you're talking with somebody that you can't prove is there. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, and a lot of people think that prayer is not an effective thing. And for, for some people who, um, there's, there's some people who believe a certain kind of secular, um, I would say, I would say bigotry because they don't think there's any evidence for this that like, you know, meditation is like a smart hip thing to do, but prayer is kind of dumb. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably because people don't believe in God. They believe in themselves. And so if you believe in yourself then obviously meditation makes more sense than prayer, but the genius is really in prayer. There are, there is meditation. There's meditation in the Bible, the kind where that focuses on the truths of God and works them into our self-understanding and personality, which is really helpful. Reading through like a Psalm 191 is a version of that. Mm-hmm. But there's reasons why we don't pray. Part of it's our worldview. Part of it is that the temptation of devils wants anything to happen but human prayer. Part mm-hmm. of it is our flesh doesn't really want to look into the face of God. Mm-hmm. Because we want, we don't want to kill our sin. We don't want to feel bad about it. We don't want to face a morally perfect being, even if that morally perfect being d- really loves us passionately. It still is kind of humiliating morally to enter into prayer and to feel mm-hmm. that one is in the presence of God Himself. At least, even if it's just mentally feeling that. Um, there's and and prayer kind of takes work. It takes concentration. Um, prayer in prayer, you realize how confused and like muddled your mind is. Because mm-hmm. you're trying to focus on praying and all these things are like jutting into your mind mm-hmm. and you're, you just feel all spun around and um, physically your body doesn't really want to keep doing it because it's an action of a trained mind. And mm-hmm. most of us just don't have trained minds. Yeah. So there's so many things that inhibit prayer. But when a human person stops, finds quiet, mm-hmm. is 100% honest with themselves expresses their real feelings towards God, reorders themselves around what they believe convictionally, interacts with the God that they believe is there, and and does the work of prayer. Mm-hmm. Confession, enjoying God by worshiping Him and delighting in what's good about Him, which is everything, asking Him for what you truly need, um, asking yourself, what would God want me to pray? out of his perfect character, what would he want me to ask for? And then asking for that and letting Mm -hmm. that redirect your life away from your selfish desires towards your divine needs. And that event is transformative. Mm -hmm. It's most importantly transformative because it's the right thing. That is God is there and we should speak to him and he wants to help Mm -hmm. us. And there's much that we don't have because we don't ask the book of James says, 
Mm-hmm. But they're also, God asks us, to, tells us to do the right things for the right reasons. And then he goes around behind us and does all kinds of blessings in those things um, on top of the right reason. So mm-hmm. prayer has all kinds of, it has a calming effect. It has a faith building effect. It gives us hope. It makes us more loving. It eases our minds. It helps us deal with anxiety. It helps prepare us for sleep. It does, I mean, it does all kinds of good things. It helps mm-hmm. us grow in humility. It helps us become more honest with ourselves. It helps, like, it 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 takes away from the frenetic nature of our mind going in a thousand directions by focusing us focusing us on something. It focuses on the real direction we want to have for our life instead of our frivolities, and on and on and on. If we'll do it, and so people sometimes will say, mm-hmm. "Well, then, how long should I pray?" And the answer to that is, my answer to that is until you're done. And when I say done, I don't mean your flesh. I mean your soul feels done. That the part of the inner man or woman that is your mind or consciousness, the part that adores God, has fully expressed itself to the Lord, has adored him, and has told him what it needs. See, your flesh is going to say, let's be done right now the minute you start praying, right? And it's important to recognize that you just, you shouldn't listen to that. You want to, but you want, you want to pray till your soul is done. So you want to actually suppress and reject the voice of the flesh that says, let's be done right now. And you want to um, go with the, this, the, the inner mind, the part of you that adores and loves God and speak through that. And when that part of you is done, you're done. Does that make sense? Um, I encourage people not to just pray through whole lists. If you have a prayer list, you can get like 570 things on it. And unless you are meticulously going through that list and checking back up with people and finding out what's happened, otherwise, I don't think it's really that helpful. Okay, so let me go back to how to pray. So uh, so there is, there'll be a, a voice in your head that's basically the flesh. It's going to want to be done praying immediately when you start. We, mm-hmm. I, that's enough. I want to do something else. Yep. I want to go turn on the TV. This is. I want to fall asleep. I want. There's that voice. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to that voice. There's that does another, not mean you're done. You're not done. There's you're the the done. voice of what Romans seven would call the inner person or the inner man or the what Romans eight would call the mind of the spirit, the part of you that mm-hmm. is focused on God and wants to talk to Him. You know what you have to do. Like you want to adore God for who He is, express how you really feel, tell God what's really going on, ask Him for the help that you need. When you're done doing that. And you feel done. Don't make up stuff to pray. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's a lot of Christians that do a lot of nervous talking before God. And they have a lot of mm-hmm. prayer ticks. They say the word just 170 times. They say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, like constantly. They don't talk like they're talking to a person. Like if you, if you have a proper sense of self and you talk to a person who's really important and that doesn't have a lot of time to talk to you, you don't say more words and you don't say their name 50 times. Mm-hmm. You say something very focused. It's very nice to meet you. I've admired you for a long time. Um, here's why I'm here talking to you. This is what I need. And you're done, right? Ecclesiastes says, God is in heaven. You're on earth. Let your words be few. That doesn't mean don't say more than a hundred words. It just means don't blabber before God. He's God. So like mm-hmm. say exactly what you think. Tell him exactly how you feel. Tell him exactly what you need and then stop. Mm-hmm. Right? Jesus says that the pagans believe that they'll be, he- they'll be heard because of their many words. And Jesus says that's a pagan view because they essentially believe that their praying is like an incantation. It's like a spell. And the more they say it, the more it'll do. And he's like, 
that's not what God is like. I mean, if you look at, for example, um, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Baal call out to Baal all day long and they cut themselves and they bleed and they think the more of that they do, the more likely they are to have their God answer them. Mm-hmm. And what Elijah does is he pours all this water on the offering, calls on the name of the Lord and fire comes down from heaven. Like mm-hmm. if God's going to answer you, he's going to answer you. Now that doesn't mean I think praying for like over somebody for healing longer is bad. I'm just saying it's not a, it's not a spell. Right. You're talking to a person and sometimes talking more to a person does move their will. And I think God's will in a certain kind of way can be moved by us in that as we express more deeply our need, sometimes he wants us to express more about how deep our need is or be maybe more perseverant in how we ask him. And then as he draws that out of us, he then answers after we pray more perhaps, mm-hmm. but I don't think he changed. I don't think he changes his mind. Right. Because so, of that. Right. So mm-hmm. I think, so I think you, if you don't blab, if you're not blabbing, blabbing, blabbing as you pray, you can pray a lot in five or six minutes. Mm-hmm. You can pray a ton in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think if you take out all that repetitive nonsensical talk and you just say exactly what you think about God and you, it's not an incantation, it's, uh, it's communication, then you'll be surprised how much you can pray in a short period of time. And how done you can be, even in the inner soul or the inner man or woman, even without it being an hour, an hour and a half or whatever. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and then- A few, go ahead. And then also, I want to I touch the issue of prayer lists. Because sometimes yeah. people will get prayer requests, and they'll write them on prayer lists, and then they'll pray through their mm-hmm. prayer list. I generally am against that. Um, if you are going to have a prayer list, there's two things. One is split it up and pray on like alternative days. So you're not praying through the same list every day. I think that's silly. The second thing is, is that if you're going to pray a list, continually check up with people on what you're praying about. That's good. And be writing down whether the prayer has been answered or not or what, and then ask the person, do you want me to change what I'm praying? Do we keep it? You know, praying for the same thing for 20 years. There's a certain amount of, of perseverance in that, but I, I also don't really see that as a way the Bible teaches us to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ask for something and God doesn't do it, well, then he didn't do it. And we'll come back and ask later, like come back in six more months or ask God what he wants you to do between here and the thing you just prayed for. So if mm-hmm. you're like, well, I want my parents to get saved. Well, you can pray for your parents to get saved for 20 years, just like that. Like it's a spell. Or you can say, God, what do you want me to do today to move mm-hmm. towards the goal of participating with you in my parents getting saved? Mm-hmm. What needs to happen in me? What way do I, should I reach out to them in the next week? Right. Mm-hmm. And what can happen with that? And so I, I would break it down and then follow up. Does yeah. that make sense? Otherwise yes, you'll, you'll get these lists and you'll pray through them and you're not really, you're not interacting with God like you think you mm-hmm. are and you're not really growing in prayer. So mm-hmm. anyway, be really careful about lists. They're fine. Pray for the people you say you're going to pray for, mm-hmm. but don't stick something on a list for a hundred years because somebody want, asked you to pray for it. If somebody asks you to pray for something, say, I'll absolutely pray for you. Then pray for them right then. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pray right then. And then walk away. It's fine. You ask God. You prayed with them. It's okay. And, and then sometimes labor and prayer over time with people. But don't just think that's mm-hmm. what you do. Does that make sense? Yeah. I've been doing that because now we're not in person really with people. So I've noticed I've been typing in emails. I'm, pr- I'm praying for you or I will be praying for you. So I have just started saying I'm praying for you right now and praying for them before I send the email. Yeah, I do that too. Uh, yeah. Because that's – I mean, we're in a weird situation where we're not in person. But – um, that's one way to just pray throughout the day is 
if you're doing emails. Yeah, when I write notes, like there's a woman today who's, this is a six-year anniversary, six-month anniversary of her husband dying. I'll send her a text later today just say, hey, I know this is six months mm-hmm. since your husband died. I'm praying for you today. I'll, and I will literally, I'll type it out on my phone. I'll put my phone mm-hmm. down. I'll pray for her. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I'll hit send. Yep. And I think that that's a good way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's weird. I think it says something weird about God to just ask God for the same thing every single day for 15 years. On one level, I'm not against that. Like there's this this parable about the woman who doesn't give up. But mm-hmm. you've got to balance whatever that means with what Ecclesiastes says about prayer and what um, Jesus says in prayer about pagans being heard because of their many words. And how God works through people. Yeah. God might want to use you, like you were saying before. Right. Maybe there's something God wants to do in you <clears throat> that he will then use to answer the, your prayer right. in another person. And so yeah. just thinking that God is going to magically do something right. in a vacuum Right. If, you, if your prayer requests are all end goals mm-hmm. and then you make a list of your end goals and you just keep praying for them, that can actually be destructive towards those end goals because mm-hmm. you, you, God may want to use you towards the things you desire and he may want you to do something today. And so sometimes praying to God, what, okay, I care about my parents. What is the next step you want me to take is a better prayer than can God save my parents? Mm-hmm. You can say, God, I, I long for my parents to be saved what's the next step for me? Mm-hmm. And will you please work in them? And what's the next step for me? So praying like yeah. that and then and then looking into your conscience and seeing what might be wise to do and then trying something can be helpful. Okay. So mm-hmm. for prayer, I just say, but the most important thing is to do it. Pray out of the inner man, what what Paul calls the, the mind of the mind that's focused on Christ rather than the flesh, the part of you that just wants to quit right mm-hmm. in a second and praying till you're done. And if you don't fill it up with all kinds of nonsensical words, um, and, and emotional ticks because and you just say what you mean to say, mm-hmm. you can pray a lot in a short period of time and you can be done and you can really pray and it can really help you. Um, Good. So prayer. Great. And then connection is the fourth thing. Do we and do the third? We did exercise and then we did prayer. So technically yep. I would mm-hmm. put prayer second and exercise third, ah, but anyway, sleep, that's prayer, exercise, connection. Yeah. Okay. The last is connection. And that is even if you're introverted, human beings are fundamentally social. So it's kind of like if you say, I'm a night, I'm a night owl. Yeah, well, the hours before midnight are still worth two, sleep-wise. Mm-hmm. You're psychologically, you might be psychologically a night owl, but you're physiologically just a human being, right? Mm-hmm. Similarly with connection, even if you're introverted, even if you're this or that, you might say, well, I'm an introvert. I don't need a lot of connection. Well, psychologically, you're an introvert. Physiologically, you're still a human. And human beings crave and long for and need connection. And that's mm-hmm. meaningful connection of knowing and being known, really feeling like you're known and really feel like you're, you matter that your absence would be noticed and that um, people want you around and that you're safe in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so taking some time to try to connect with the, some of the most important people in your life as regularly as you can. Um, you know, I'm, I, I have this rule where I want to connect with every one of my kids at least every other day on some meaningful level. I'm, I'm, if you looked at my scorecard on that, it's really bad. But my goal, my my practice always needs to be ahead of my success, mm-hmm. right? So I try to work out four times a week. I almost never do, right? But if my goal is four times a week, usually I do hit at least three. And three workouts a week is what I need to keep from gaining weight. I know about myself physiologically at this point in my life and to keep mm-hmm. from like hurting, right? So um, by setting that goal for myself. So so I would say you don't let the day just go on. And, and I would say playing video games with people where you're talking to them while you're playing video games, I wouldn't count that. Mm-hmm. 
watching TV or videos with somebody, I would not count that. Um, you need to be interacting with people, preferably face-to-face so that you can see their eyes and talking about something that matters to you mm-hmm. in ways that are, that are related to your relating to them. And mm-hmm. you could do activities while doing that. You can, and so for a lot of people do that on a walk. So for Alexi and I, one of the most important things that ever happened in our marriage for us to love each other, I think was for the first, maybe six and a half, maybe years of our marriage um, up till we had the third kid was old enough to annoy. Uh, we would walk for 20 minutes every single day. So we'd get up, we'd have like, you know, coffee or a little bit of breakfast. And then we put the kids in this two kid stroller yep. and we walked for about 25 minutes and just talked to each other mm-hmm. about our lives, about what we were thinking about, about what God was doing in our life, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, our relationship improved. It was so enjoyable. We mm-hmm. were on the same page. We knew where we were going. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. And so I just encourage that like married couples, especially like if you can, in fact, I actually read that there's like a study on this that like, there's something magic about 20 minutes that if you can uh, essentially talk with your spouse for 20 minutes a day, it tends to just lead to very, very good things relationally. Mm-hmm. And doing it early in the morning is usually best because it's the least likely time you're going to fight. You have the most emotional self-control naturally, physiologically speaking to not say something stupid or take a dig at your spouse. Mm-hmm. It is, so it's the, it's the most likely time to have a talk that leads to peace and connection. So yeah, generally speaking good. early in the morning, and if you can take a walk, then you're killing two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I would say, especially in this time when we're most, everything is virtual, especially mm-hmm. if you're single and um, don't have a roommate <clears throat> um, to reach out to people um, in smaller amount, like smaller numbers of people virtually. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, I work with a lot of my friends and so I, we're on calls all day for that, but a few nights a week, I connect with just one or two of them and at a time, and it makes a huge difference. And so, um, like a huge video call with a lot of people, maybe you're in a small group. That's not, I don't think that's the same especially virtually as connecting no. with one or two friends really intentionally. And so make sure to be doing that as well. Yeah. I don't think it can be more than three people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously that's kind of like a, well, why three, but well, like there's an inner, it has to be the inner circle. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could connect with somebody who's not in your inner circle, who's not in like your closest three people, but like in mm-hmm. your wider seven or eight people, but it should be a relationship close enough to make you feel secure. If it's healthy, it has mm-hmm. to be a relationship that's important to you. Mm-hmm. And where you think you're important to that person, mm-hmm. you know, to accomplish yes. what we're talking about right now. Right. Yeah. Right. So sleep, prayer, exercise, and connection, just mm-hmm. fundamental things. And then adding to prayer, a time of Bible reading and meditation on what mm-hmm. you've read makes for a devotional time. That's a, a better, more holistic thing mm-hmm. that will move you forward in God, not just maintain things basically. Um, also, eating a good breakfast oftentimes is much more important than you think. Um, there's a good section on this in Jordan Peterson's book, Rules for Life. But, um, but, but lots of people have noticed nutritionally that if you start with a um, a breakfast that is not mainly sugar, that it kind of sets up your body's metabolism for the day in a really positive way. And if you mm-hmm. start with like just coffee or just co- sh- like donuts, then you get like the sugar spike and then it drops off and you have like, you have these nutritional issues with the sugars in your system that it's erratic. Whereas if you eat like my favorite, which is bacon, 
or you, you eat like protein rich stuff. Oatmeal mm-hmm. would fun- oatmeal would usually function as this kind of thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, grits are great for this, where it, like it just takes your body a while to digest them. Then what ends up happening is you get the, you get a better burn. If, yeah. you, if you think of like your energy being almost like a fire, like a good solid hardwood that burns with a lot of BTUs mm-hmm. all night. That's what you want burning in your stomach and in your like in your circulation, right? And so, eating food that's kind of like hardwoods in the morning um, st- makes an energy fire that just burns mm-hmm. better throughout the day and just gives you better concentration, better feeling, better everything. And so, mm-hmm. for some of you, adding a good breakfast, good eating early to good sleeping, and then getting yourself to bed on time for for listen for a lot of people listening to this, if you would regulate your sleep in your first meal, well. It would change your life. Mm-hmm. It would change your life. And, yeah. and listen, as Christians, you might be like, well, Nick, this is, doesn't feel very spiritual. Well, part of being spiritual is recognizing what you are. It's mm-hmm. not spiritual to think that you're a spirit without a body and that like what you do in the spirit matters, what you do in the body doesn't. Part of what's being spiritual is recognizing that God created you as a creature who is ensouled. And you, you are a composite of those two things. And those things are deeply interrelated with each other, right? If we injure your brain, it's going to change the way you experience mind, right? Because the two are so interconnected, right? And so it's important to recognize that like we are these ensouled creatures. And so you have to respect your creatureliness as much as you respect your ensouledness and the relationship mm-hmm. between those two. If you misuse your body it will hurt your soul because you experience your soul through your consciousness mm-hmm. and your consciousness is deeply related to your physical body and the health of your brain and your body and your mind. So like being spiritual means honoring your creatureliness. Why would God make the right to Sabbath fundamental to his belief about mm-hmm. morality for human beings? That is the right to physically rest. Well, it's because he believes in our embodiedness. And that that's mm-hmm. fundamental to who we are. So, so having resting properly, recharging well, treating yourself like a human being, and and in so doing, you treat yourself like the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And yeah so, this is stewardship of yourself. Yes. Yes. yes absolutely. Mm-hmm. Your body yeah. doesn't belong to you. It belongs mm-hmm. to God, and you should treat it like it belongs to God. And what He mm-hmm. wants is for it to be handled in such a way as to create flourishing in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. easy to think that, well, if I just read my Bible more, if I went to church more, I'd be more spiritual. For some of you, honest to God, if you went to sleep on time, you would be more spiritual. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. I, it's, just, it's a huge thing. You'd be yeah. more awake. You could actually have a devotional time. It, it would be, wouldn't be as hard to choose the right thing because you wouldn't be so depleted and exhausted. You'd be able to work hard, You, et cetera. Your moods would mm-hmm. be, it, you wouldn't struggle so much with mental health because mm-hmm. you'd be doing the body stuff. Like going to bed on time and eating good breakfast won't fix your mental health unless your mental health issues are all related to that. And they might be. And they might be. But listen, if you're trying to, if you're trying to get somewhere, you should stack as much in your favor as you can. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't it, like, if you if you if you're having emotional problems because you don't like where your life is, don't make it worse by creating sleep problems and dietary problems and exercise problems and mm-hmm. prayer problems. Right? Yep. Get that's your spiritual good. life and your physical life on track, and that's the best thing you can do to get your emotional mm-hmm. life on track. Yeah. Yeah, so do these things if even if you're not in crisis mode and you don't feel like you need it right now, mm-hmm. but 
do these things and mentor other people to do them as well during this time if if you're a leader in someone's life yeah Yeah. all right all right god bless you guys i hope that was helpful i hope you find it helpful in your ministry to others yeah we'll see you next time Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.